Everybody, 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 drop your buff. Stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are here talking about Survivor 44, Episode 4, I'm Felicia. When Jeff said drop the four, he meant the first four women in each season. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing, but I'm crying. Yeah, I mean, we made a big deal of it last week. I don't think there's much more to say. We, We... I think season 43, we also had the first boot, four boots were women. I think I saw online, same is true for Panama, Exile Island, same is true for Gabon. There might be another one in there that I'm forgetting, but let's not make it five. Let's not make it five. Mm. I'm, uh, to quote, is it Wendy's or Burger King? I'm not loving it. That's McDonald's. Actually, it might be McDonald's. Yeah, That is that McDonald's. Very me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also feel like we look a little bit like clowns this week because last week we were like, you know what would fix this? Bring back the swap. And lo and behold, we have a swap. I don't know if I would count this as I like was gonna say, a full swap. No, this isn't a swap. So I stand by the comment from last week. Yeah. There's a great account that goes across platforms, both on Twitter and Instagram, the Survivor Fact Checker, who actually broke down a lot of data on when women go home in the game and pointed out that statistically there really is no difference with swaps and no swaps, with tribe numbers. So it's actually just generally a systemic problem on Survivor that dates back to the beginning. But you really feel it in these cases when you have the first four boots being women. So sucks. But here we are. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the episode. How did you feel about this one? I know you were feeling quite high about last week. Where are you at with episode four? Okay, well, before I answer that, I just finished listening to Jeff's podcast. And I can't stop laughing because there's someone on production named Henny. And for Drag Race fans out there, Henny is like (laughs) a very famous... uh, I don't know, phrase that Stacey Lane Matthews, one of the iconic queens of Drag Race, used to use all the time. Um, Henny for your thoughts, for instance. And so hearing Jeff just like <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> saying the word Henny, um, I felt like my brain was breaking. Um, okay, That's wild because I listened to the whole episode, didn't catch the Henny. Oh, and it's like multiple times. He keeps mentioning Henny. And I just was like, is this a Drag Race crossover? Like, um, it's not. Um... I I don't, I, I have to say, I'm a little confused right now with regards to like talking about this episode and, the, and then this season holistically, because on the one hand, I am more entertained by this season than I have been since, I would, I mean, since uh, Winners at War. Um, like this is just an incredibly entertaining season with a bunch of really interesting characters, some really like worthwhile conversations about you know, changes to the game, blah, blah, blah. And then on the other hand, I'm sort of like, this is just chaos. Like, it's just like, I have no idea what's going on at any given time. We have three episodes with with a reward and immunity combined. Then all of a sudden, Claire is gone and it's, we're bringing back the solo reward challenge. And just, yeah, so it just feels like structural whiplash where I don't know, I don't even know how many idols there are, let alone which ones are real, um, and then I don't know I don't know which people know about which idols and then which of those idols that they know about are actually real and actually fake. And then now we're doing something that like we're calling it a swap, but like it's really just one player. But then there's this padded protection where they have this immunity that like if they saved it, if they kind of strategized it, they could have try and get the other two players out so that it would be their idol at the merge, but mm. that's a little too strategic to, for them to like be able to... Anyway, all of this to say, that's a lot, um, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not really sure how I feel yet. And like, I also, so I try to check in with the fandom and be like, what's the fandom saying? And I get a lot of people that are like, throw it all out. There was this one, I think it was like Edgict, that was like, 
that had a tweet last night that was like, has Survivor jumped the shark or something like that, which it's like, yeah, girl, Survivor jumped the shark um, long ago. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, why do I watch anything that I watch? It's to be entertained, and I'm very entertained by this season. And so I don't know writing it out. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel similarly in that I'm having fun watching the show and I feel like it's a really great cast and I think there's a lot of people bringing a lot of much needed energy to the show, but the game mechanics are way too complicated this season where even as a survivor podcaster who feels like I have a pretty good handle on what's going on and I'm trying to keep my ear to the ground in terms of what people are talking about and other people's analysis of the game, it's still super confusing where I've had to like put in to my notes everything that's going on because at one point during this episode, I mean, Josh played his idol, but at one point there were six active hidden immunity idols in this game. There are three fake idols. There was the inheritance advantage. Lauren still has an extra vote. There's just so much going on in the pre-merge and it's such whiplash because, and I don't mean to sound like they can't get anything right, but like you look at 41 to 41 and 42 in particular, where it was like, you can't, they couldn't really use the hidden immunity idol until really close to the merge because everybody had to get their phrases said, everybody had to find their phrase, say it, activate their idol. And so you had this long period at the start of the game where hidden immunity idols just didn't exist. And now we've overcompensated for that by throwing six hidden immunity idols into a game. And especially when the tribes are this small to have potentially multiple, like two hidden immunity idols on each tribe, it's kind of like, where? what are we supposed to do with our votes here? And who knows about this? How many people know? How do you navigate around this in a game that's meant to be primarily about social connection and social, social strategy? Uh, how do you contend with all of these little hidden um, advantages that people have? Does that take away from the very concept of the game? Like, have we gone too far? And in this case, I feel like, Maybe we have. And you look at also Sarah going home in this episode. She believes she went home with an idol in her pocket. It wasn't an idol, right? It was a fake idol that was put into the game by production. And everything about that idol indicates to Sarah that it was real, right? Like there's no way for her to know whether it's real or not. And that's fine for this season but moving forward it's damaging in that nobody will know if their idol is real or fake and i have to say i was reading dalton ross's recap of this episode and he made a great point that you know idol plays whether they are real or fake idols they work because people are confident that they are safe right and he pointed to some iconic examples of amanda swinging her idol in micronesia or let's say randy playing the fake idol in gabon the reason those are satisfying moments is because those people believe rightly or wrongly that they are safe in the game and that's what makes that a great tv moment and moving forward are you just going to have people going like uh, Jeff, can I just like, can you check this for me? I don't know what this is. Like, that's not a satisfying TV moment. So that's a little bit frustrating, but it, I don't know. Like, I'm sort of like of two minds because I'm still really enjoying the season. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think similarly. we need some tweaks to the game. The other thing too, I just want to mention too, is like the whole reason why tribe swaps are so satisfying when they work is because you have these instances like Survivor Borneo, where you have a majority on a tribe who's just going to systematically eliminate people. And so when you have that tribe swap, it, you know, everyone is forced to renegotiate their relationships within the tribe. When, when you only have one person going over and that person has this special power and they're going over to these already very small tribes where the divisions are pretty much, if there is a split, it's like two people on one side, two people on the other. It takes a single vote. It's just so small, the ways in which you can 
redraw the district lines, if you will. Um, like it's just, there's just so few options. And this goes back to an ongoing complaint of mine that I think some people share, which is the problem with a three tribe split. But I think it especially doesn't work in this instance where if anything, I would have loved to see them do an actual, uh, is it, do you call it a swap? When So what, what they did in Survivor Australia season one was they just took the three tribes, put the, them all in a bag or whatever, and then just divided up into two tribes. And so you got a little bit of like, I mean, obviously there was some luck involved. How many of your people did you have from your original tribe? And, and were you even good with those people? But there were so many variables because there was both the shift from three to two, but also the idea that there were you would be on a new tribe with two different tribes. And it was so fun because you really mm -hmm. had to renegotiate your relationships and then craft new ones very quickly while everybody else is crafting new ones. Whereas this is basically like, say, Carson, for instance. It's like he goes over there and like when he gave his story of like, I'm on the outs over there, it's like that's the only thing you can say. Like, what are you going to do? Go to this tribe of four people and be like, I was dominating over there, but now I'm here. No, you go over and you say, this is a great, this is actually great for me because I didn't even like my tribe and I really want a, a new tribe, blah, blah, blah. It all feels so formulaic, but then like they're playing it so earnestly. And then you have that moment with, oh God, um, the guy with the sling. Matt. Matt. Matthew, okay. Matthew. Matthew. Okay, I'll get there. You have that moment with Matthew where he's like, I'm going to like give you some knowledge now. And it's like, Matthew, like, I know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Carson knows what you're doing. Production. Like, he, there was a, again, with that earnestness where it's like, I feel like he thought he was like masterminding this moment of like, this is how I'm going to get Carson in with me, which he was. I'll give him that credit. And that's like such an obvious tactic that anyone in his power position would use. So sometimes we're just seeing these like very obvious outcomes play out, but they're done with this sort of like narrative of like, can you believe it? And it's like, I can. Yeah. The other thing that people are really talking about with this swap, if we're calling it a swap, is that they handed each of these people an hidden immunity idol for free, right? And it can only be played up until the merge, which basically means they are all safe, right? I mean, like, we only have a few rounds until it's time to merge. And so let's uh, just assume in a perfect world, all of these tribes go to tribal before the merge, each of these people who swapped will be safe. And for all the talk of this being a very dangerous game, risk versus reward, making decisions, like this is the opposite of that, where it would have been really interesting if there was a risky element to it. One of the suggestions I saw on Twitter was you can have this hidden immunity idol if you agree to go to another tribe. There's a decision to make, right? Where you could say, hey, I could help to eliminate somebody from an opposing tribe, like even potentially try to throw a challenge to get to idle somebody out to keep my original tribe stronger, come back together with them at the merge and have a better uh, opportunity post merge. So that's like one way they could have done it. But to just say you're going and and you're safe is like, where's the where's the alleged risk? Right. Um, so. I think I do take issue with the handing out of hidden immunity idols. Which I think is added to the same sort of issue that we have around giving people uh, fake idols that seem for all intents and purposes to them real. Like having, there's no, again, it's just this idea of like the ways in which that the producers are manipulating the game is becoming very evident. I also wanted to point out too, it's like you have them arriving on ship whale island whatever you want to call it at this point and then it's like get to know each other on the journey and then we cut to them like parting ways and it's just like there are these benchmarks that have been established but like for what purpose because what like I, the, the idea in the past as we've seen is like there are possible ways to like build bonds that you hopefully bring over into the merge which clearly didn't happen here so it's like why like why not just cut that out altogether there's this weird thing of like this devotion to the formula, but then like when the formula doesn't work, for instance, with Shot in the Dark, to Survivor's credit, we don't talk about Shot in the Dark unless it's like in contention. Like in this episode, there was no like, does anyone want to play their Shot in the Dark? Because clearly it's a flop. 
but there's this element where it's just sort of like, what is the, why do you feel, of course people are on a walk together, it's Survivor. Yes, that's human nature is when you're on a walk with strangers, especially when there's cameras up, you're gonna chat and get to know each other. There's something so specific about that wording, like right, everything that's written on any parchment, written, everything that's printed on parchment, which by the way, did you see Ethan's fabulous (laughs) post? Sorry. Di- digress. Um, but uh, everything that's written in the parchment is supposed to mean something. And I just didn't understand. Like, there are these moments where, and again, this goes back to last week, right? Matt, Matthew, with the sling. And I and I said to you, I was like, I feel like they keep showing us the arm. And obviously, in the scenes for next week, it's clearly going to be something. So sometimes they do have these moments where, like, it's all a means to an end. But I guess I just feel like moments like that, and maybe I'm zooming in on something that's, like, ultimately superfluous. Um but I just didn't really understand the, like, wh- so the three of them were chosen. They go, they don't talk at all. They're given an idol. Couldn't we have been like, couldn't we have done this in a way? I mean, I'm against it on principle. But if we were going to do it, did we need them to all go and, go to an island together? Uh, no, we didn't. And I feel like there's just, <laughs> I'm not opposed to the idea, but I feel like there's just a lot of really cool ways that they could have played with this formula that they just didn't and considering you know we're whiteboarding everything in jeff's garage it's just amazing that this is what they land on because imagine this scenario that just came to me that okay soka i think it was soka wins that reward challenge and they get to pick who goes let's say jeff says you pick somebody from your tribe and somebody from one other tribe could be could be anybody and they're gonna go on this journey those people go and they find out you've got to pick new tribes. You're going to pick two new tribes. We're going to swap down to two tribes and you're going to pick and you're going to, you know, we'll send boats to go get everybody and collect them into their new tribes. Like that's a fun way to do but a then swap. Is it tribes? It's so it's, it, would, it would still be three tribes? No, I'm saying like in this case, because I want them to swap down to two, that it would be two tribes. But then so two of the people on that would be together? No, I'm saying so like one person from Soka and then they would have to choose one person from either of the other tribes to go with that person. And then they would be the captains of two new tribes. But then it's like, I don't, but then it's like you have one tribe that had no. I know. I'm just, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying we could have, or we, I mean, we could have done the three too, but like, then how do you have captains of a new tribe? But I'm saying like, if Soka is the winners, then they at least get to pick like. So maybe one, so maybe the three of them go. Two of them leave the new tribes. The other one goes to exile. It's like, I feel like there mm, needs to be some sort of That's a good like, idea. That's a good idea. Some element. And then they join the tribe that votes somebody out next time. Okay, Great. perfect. Sold. Email Jeff Probst. We solved it. It's a survivor shout out at cbs.com or whatever. <laughs> Take the idea. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the episode because uh, there is some interesting interpersonal stuff going on, especially I want to talk about Josh because Josh has been more or less purpled up until this point and he is on the Soka tribe, you know, Josh. It took me a moment, he but I got two there. votes against him at tribal council, saved himself mm-hmm. with a hidden immunity mm-hmm. idol. But he's on the Soka tribe. And the interesting thing is that last week we had this whole narrative about how nobody trusts Josh. Nobody wants to work with him. Uh, and they were, you know, Claire was trying to throw Josh under the bus to save herself. But ultimately that didn't work. They ended up uh, using Josh to help get rid of Claire. And here Josh is like basking in the glory of surviving that vote, you know, pulling off a move to get Claire out. And he's like, I feel great. I have two alliances that really want to work with me. Pittsburgh, Heidi and Danny as one, uh, who apparently are each other's number ones. And then Franny and Matt, who are probably each other's number ones over there and they just need a third right and i'm the third because everybody likes me and everybody wants to work with me and i feel like they're making him out to be a little bit foolish sort of like throughout the episode because you know we cut from there to a scene of you know the rest of the four of the sokas being like okay time to get josh out like that's our obvious next target nobody wants to work with him nobody trusts him and then even after he swaps you know and he goes over to tika and they're like immediately calling him out as a surgeon. They're like, so you're a surgeon, right? 
No, no, I'm a personal trainer. Well, that doesn't make sense. Your timeline doesn't make sense of school. Nothing makes sense about you. Do you have an idol? No. Well, we don't believe that. Like everything that he was trying to do, we were being shown from the other people's perspective that nobody's buying it. Yeah, I also just don't understand that. I feel like there's something missing in the storytelling. But like, if you actually think you're like the middle person in this five, that there's two people, two people, you're the fifth. In theory, like, yes, you can say that's a great position to be in because you're the swing vote. But the other part of me is like, so you're at the bottom of the totem pole in two different alliances. And isn't the sort of like, wouldn't it occur to anyone that like, hey, you need to have a person, right? Like, Mm -hmm. just like those other two people or four people each have a person. You're the one person here without a person. So you would think that on the low, that person, that fifth person would find someone of those other four and become a, 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 a pair with them, even if it's not in fact, even if that other person doesn't see it that way. Like if you're Josh, you're gonna pick a person, not a duo. So the hard thing I, I have, and, and maybe Josh is just this stupid, but I just don't understand. It's like something feels like it's missing about the narrative because it's so convenient, right? That it's like, you have these two that are buddy-buddy and these two that are buddy-buddy and this guy here in the middle and which way is he going to go? But actually, the four of them have teamed up together and he's the odd man out. Sure, that is a narrative, but part of me thinks Josh would be savvy enough to try and make a final two with someone on that tribe. Like, there's got to be someone of those four that he is closest with instead of them presenting it like he loves everyone. I just think, Josh, you'd have to be such a bad survivor player to play that way. However, I guess, I mean, <laughs> the track record for him that we got in this episode, I, it couldn't, wouldn't be entirely surprising. But while we're on this subject, can I ask you, can you think off the top of your head about someone who's lied about their identity in the game and been better for it? Hmm. What I don't understand about this ongoing narrative that Survivor really likes to push, which is that like someone from episode one comes on the show, declares, I do this thing, but I'm going to tell everyone I'm this. Where is the success metric to make that a worthwhile move? Because we continuously see it. Not only do we see it, but we see it highlighted from the outset. Yeah. I do feel like there is a case of this. I really do feel like I am picturing somebody at tribal council saying, oh, by the way, like, this is who I actually am. I, of course, I can't come up with who that is, but I'm I'm picturing it and I feel like it might have happened. But the bigger question is, did it matter? Does that matter? And right. I don't think it does. And because part of the thing that it's doing, one, you think that, for whatever reason, it's lowering your threat level. I don't get that. I don't see a surgeon as a threatening position. Obviously, we understand that surgeons probably make good money, but I really don't think that people are taking that into account. If they are, it's like 10% of the decision-making that goes into a vote. I really think you can overcome that. Uh, Like, I mean, we've got an NFL player on one of these teams. Like, nobody cares. But the other thing, too, is like, sure, a surgeon makes a lot of money. They work really fucking hard to make that money. Whereas, like, no disrespect to the NFL, but, like, an NFL player makes millions and millions of dollars to throw a ball down a field, okay? (laughs) I know there are going to be some people out there that are like, I'm limiting, blah, blah, blah. But sorry, that's how I feel. Or just there are other jobs that I feel like make a lot of money and don't really like contribute a lot to the betterment of society. Whereas like with Surgeon in the game of Survivor, like just like Fireman and Police Officer, I think you're good by way of like and uh, well, not to, they're not really comparable because police officers and firefighters don't make as much as a surgeon. But this just to say that, like, I think that your um, what you give back to society in this instance, no one's going to be like, he's a surgeon, he makes a lot of money, he doesn't deserve to win Survivor because he's a surgeon. It's like, uh, I, I don't think that will be the way people think. I thought, anyway, though, I thought of the example. I thought of the example about the lie job oh, okay. at Final Tribal Council. It comes up. It is Lisa Welchel in Survivor Philippines. Lying about being an actress, being a child star. Um, Now, she does not come forth and say that, like, as part of her pitch, by the way, everybody, 
this is who I am. I didn't want to tell you I was an actress because that's got a bad connotation in the world of Survivor. It's it's uh, Jonathan Penner who tells her, so are you going to tell everybody or am I going to tell everybody? So I so that's absolutely an example. Did it help it's her? A little no, bit of an it out- didn't. Right. And I also, I think it's a little bit of an outlier because it's like her, in her instance, it was like other people already knew Whereas like these other instances we're talking about is like people make this arbitrary decision. Whereas with Lisa, I'm not arguing that it was a good move, but in her mind, it's like she faced this idea of people already having a perception about her that she couldn't control. But yes, that is an example. Um, But I will say it was nice to see a new character emerge because from these first four episodes, we pretty much got like Carolyn, Carson, Daniel, like we've pretty much gotten a big fill of some players and there have been a number of people, like Kane, for instance, I completely forgot was in this cast until he had mm-hmm. trouble going across the the beam in this episode. I was like, oh yeah, he's in this cast. Um, so, it, so giving Josh this, you know, the centerpiece of this episode, not that I think Josh was like a great player, but it was nice to see them start to remember that there's like a whole, there are other people on this cast, but to their credit the people that they have been focusing on again this goes back to sort of like the dilemma of like talking about this is like the people they have been focusing on deserve focus so i'm not complaining really so much as like yeah if you've got great players give them screen time like that of course it makes sense but i do feel like i'm having trouble knowing who certain people are even when that one moment i don't know her name uh that was carrying the sword coming in the boat lauren Lauren. Okay, great. I was sort of like, I, again, similar to the Kane thing, I was like, I, in my mind, I'm like, who, who is she? What? what? Yeah, yeah. So there remains some confusion. Yeah. Well, f- particularly with that entire Ratu tribe, the Orange tribe, they went to tribal council in episode one. And yeah, we got like glimpses. We got Brandon's backstory. We got Kane singing Oh Canada. We got, we've gotten a lot of Matthew and we got Jamie eating worms last week. But like, really, they haven't been a big focus of the story. We've gotten a lot of Soka and Tika because they've been going to tribal. And particularly in this episode, and part of the problem of the joint reward sorry, not joint, the separate reward and immunity challenges plus a trip to Advantage Island is that we didn't check in with Ratu until Carson went and joined them. So uh, it's it's tricky when you've only got 42 minutes to fill an episode with and you have three tribes and too many game mechanics to actually check in with each of those tribes. But even like not just Ratu, it's like even like this Franny Matt showmance that we've been like talking about. And by we, I mean the show has been trying. It's like that completely has fallen by the wayside. We haven't even checked in with either of them. Um, there's just so many ancillary characters right now. Um, even Matt, no, Dave, David, the guy that has the idol right now, the real idol. On which tribe? I don't we've know. got six real idols. Okay, never mind. Forget Danny? It. Uh, moving on. Danny. Um, now, what was my point? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. But remember. no, we don't anyway, We don't check so, in with him. And it's interesting because like in the last episode, when you had Pittsburgh Heidi say, oh, Danny is my number one. Like we talked about, uh, where did that come from? I, lo- I love that they're each other's number one. But can we just get like a glimpse of, because we know Franny and Matt are together. I would, or I would push back that we did get Franny and Matt content last episode. And I feel like I have a good understanding of where they're at. I'm okay with them taking a back seat. In episode four, I'm sure there's plenty to come with those two. But I'm really curious to see what's going on with Danny and Heidi. Heidi in particular, because she is probably one of the least well-edited people that are left in this show. And of course, she's your winner pick and she's from Pittsburgh. And it's not often we get somebody from Pittsburgh. So let's get some attention on Heidi. We did get a Pittsburgh mention in this episode, though, from Josh. So Pittsburgh is definitely a presence. It's canon. but I did like that when when Jamie arrives on the island, I loved Heidi's reaction. Did you catch that? Heidi has a great reaction where like you can just tell it's like, this is not the energy that Heidi needs around camp. Oh, I didn't catch that. It's a fun little micro moment, but I really appreciated that because there is something about 
someone like Jamie, and again, we've gotten very little Jamie, but I do think we've gotten enough that she's a m more developed of the underdeveloped yeah. characters. But with Jamie, it's sort of like, when does this, like the gloss and the mm -hmm. I'm so excited to be here fall by the wayside? And when do we start to really play the game? Because with Jamie, it's just like, she is all smiles all the time and and good for her. I wish I could live with, with you know, with such a conviction of, of spirit. Um, <laughs> but this is Survivor, right? So it's like the game has to sort of like take its toll on you at some point. And I wonder if, if we'll get that. Well, I hope we do because Jamie now has a immunity idol that she can only use up until the merge so if she's going to tribal council she's likely to play that one before she plays the fake one that matthew led her to when they were uh worm hunting and so right. but imagine a scenario where it's not going to happen because she has this pre-merge idol that she has to use so but imagine a scenario where she feels like i've put together this great plan i've got two idols i'm really gonna like pull something off here i'm gonna play one for myself and one for this new ally i'm trying to i'm trying to get on heidi's good side let's say i'm completely made up uh I'm, I'm gonna save her i'm gonna save myself and we're gonna get rid of like franny let's say and she she's got this master plan the votes have all gone where she wants them to go she gets up and she goes jeff i have two idols and jeff goes well one is one is real the other's not and so a plan could backfire there. And then that would really kick her down. I feel like snap her into reality and sort of go, oh, shit. Now, like, this person I thought was my close ally, Matthew, led me to a fake idol. Now I'm pissed off and I've got a revenge arc. That's the Jamie mm. I want to see. Yeah. The other thing I'm thinking about as we talk about her is it's like, so we've got four women, or excuse me, five women left. And it's like, just looking at the breakdown, it's like, I just don't see... Because Heidi is in with her guy. Uh, 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 Franny. Uh, oh, God, look at me. Franny's in with her. It's just like, there are so many people, of the women we have, they are locked in with men. I just don't know. I don't see a world in which the women band together here in any yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a male winner, which, again, uh, it's let's not Let's not be we... so sure about that. Listen, I want to be wrong. But it's like... I think the issue for us, and correct me if you feel differently, I'm okay with a male winner. We we just got, you know, we just had two female winners back to back. Um, but I want to see women dominating the narrative on the show. So that to me is more valuable. So it's like, even had Parvati not won Micronesia, what makes Micronesia so great is that it's like chock full of strong female characters banding together, taking out really powerful men. Ultimately the winner, I'm not gonna say it's superfluous, but like it's more just like the cherry on top, right? What's what's frustrating about what we're seeing right now is of the women left, Carolyn is really the only power player because we have Jamie who is in La La Land. Um, and then we haven't really, I mean, the only other one we've gotten a lot from is Franny, but mm -hmm. that's mostly been social and less strategic. So whereas like, you know, you have these characters like Matthew who like, they are giving him the Tony edit here where it's just like, when is he not gaming? Um, although with that preview for next week, I mean, maybe we've got mm. a medevac. Um, but that's, I think, the bigger complaint, right? Is, is less, I mean, yes, it's disappointing that women are going home, sure. It's also frustrating because of the women that are going home, and, and you've said this quite a bunch, where uh, the first boot, what was her, her name? Maddie. Maddie is like an example of someone that like, it seems for all intents and purposes would have been a really strong player of this game. Yeah. I, and again, like I think some of this comes down to the size of the tribes. And yeah, we talked about it being a tribe strength sort of um, dynamic going on in the pre-merge with these tiny tribes but there's also just something else of like th there's just not that many people to work with and sometimes you're trying there's to not. pull together a women's alliance and like just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're going to want to work with every other woman right like we need s you need a, a pool of personalities to work with a woman's alliance can take out another woman uh including the black widow brigade right like Mm -hmm. uh, Amanda idled out Alexis and and that was a great moment and so it's okay that not all the women want to work together but when you're only given two options of people that you can work with uh, you better hope that you're going to get along and chances are you know 
when you're looking around, you're you very well could connect better with somebody of the opposite sex. And so that makes it really tricky for women to come together, I think, in this new era. And that's why I think losing Sarah is like the ultimate. I mean, I think losing Sarah is a bummer for a lot of reasons, but particularly because I think the show really is invested in making Carolyn be. And I, I'm saying making her be. It's not to say that I don't think she is, but hear me out here. I think they're really invested in making Carolyn to be the eccentric person who actually has like some smarts that people might not expect. And we've seen that in some instances. Like, But then I also feel like sometimes... Like, for instance, the Red X, right? As convoluted as that was, that is essentially the same level of play that we saw with Matthew, right? Yeah. In terms of, like, creating the fake idol, getting someone in your tribe to find it, think they have it, etc. And with Danny, like, fully leading Matt to say, like, why don't we look in these roots? Right. Now demerit to Carolyn for not knowing who got it because it's like the second she sees them all sitting there, she needs to have her eyes on Sarah. But anyway, this to say, I feel like there's that narrative with Carolyn. um, But then it's like frustrating then to see her not stick with Sarah and Jam Jam um, with the thought process being like, okay, we're going to link up with Carson again. If we get to the merge, Um, I just, it was because it's like they they're giving her this hero edit and it's like frustrating to watch the hero who especially becomes the hero now when we're like losing co-heroes right and left where it's like Carolyn's stock continues to rise in this game because I think a lot of people listening to Drop Your Buffs are going to have an investment in Carolyn. Um, if it's not because they like her, it's more because of our options. It's like she's in just high contention to win and over a lot of people that I think we probably are would be less enthused about. But to that end, it's like, I don't like watching her make what I think are bad moves. Yeah, well, let's talk about some of her moves because I think that's a good point with the idol that it was not a bad idea because she, re- she really sort of like screwed things up there where she took the whole bag, didn't know what to do. You know, people seem to be coming back to camp. She's got to do something. She puts the empty bag in. It's not fully closed. They know it's been tampered with. And I think that the concept isn't a bad one to put the X because originally in my mind, I would think, oh, the X means it's out of play or something like it got sent home with somebody or it expired there was an expiration date and the x is a signal this is not in the game anymore although like probably they would remove the whole birdcage but hey an x get them talking um but then to your point it's like then she hides it somewhere it's not a bad idea like it's borrowing from say seasons especially season 41 where they were just putting stuff on the beach for people to find by the fire uh when advantages were just so easy to come by and so like i think it made sense that she was sort of playing in the way that production would play it and so it doesn't seem suspect suspect but then the fact that she doesn't see and know where that fake idol is she can no longer really manage that so it's out of her control now The other thing, too, is, as we saw, the idol was just tucked in a piece of bark. It wasn't, in fact, buried, which, if I were the person finding it, my first thought would be, like, would they have an immunity idol at camp this obvious? However, this speaks to what you were saying earlier. When you get a note saying this is an immunity idol, you're going to believe it. But, like, that's one of those weird things of, like, I would be suspect, but then I would be, like, relieved by the fact that I have the parchment. But, again, with Carolyn, it's, like, you just put it, you didn't really need the X's at the end of the day. I guess you needed the X's to tip people off to look, but like the way, I guess it's like she she didn't quite give you the narrative conclu- <laughs> conclusion that you want here, but like, again, so many things went her way in all of this, um, which I think the show is just delighted by, right? It's like, I think they've yeah. wanted this character for so long that they're getting. This is sort of like, you can just see Survivor casting frothing at the mouth over Carolyn, there's an investment in wanting to see Carolyn succeed and showing that, I don't know, I just, there's something exciting about Carolyn and there's also like this producer hand, I feel, in like wanting to guide her because like they want her to succeed. It's not, I'm not trying to take away credit from her. She masterminded this whole, this whole thing and it worked out, right? Like, um, 
but I don't know. I don't really, I don't have, I don't know the point I'm trying to make here. I just, with Carolyn, it's like, I guess all this to say, sorry if I'm long-winded, I'm not vibing with Carolyn on the level that I think the show wants me to vibe with her. And I think that there's a world in which I would vibe with her more. Like I would be like, she for all intents and purposes should be mother. And yet I feel like she's distinctly not even giving, like she's not emanating mother at all. And I wonder, yeah. Do you think she's giving mother? Uh, I think that mother is now a pretty loaded term. I wouldn't say mother for me, but I'm really, really enjoying her. And I came in as a big skeptic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I, for me, there are other things that come with being mother that I think that Carolyn is maybe lacking, like a, a certain sleigh element let's say. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. For me, Carolyn is like the type of character that, like you say, I think they've wanted for a long time. Uh, she reminds me of, say, a Philip Shepard, or almost even a coach, or a Debbie, where they are larger than life, super kooky. But in most of the cases that we get these characters, the audience actually doesn't like them. And so that's been a big disconnect between the show and the audience, where Debbie, certainly on her first season, was more likable, but she certainly rubbed people the wrong way as well. Her second season, I found her completely irritating. Um, Well, by that point, she was acting. I, this is the first time I'm seeing this character where I'm like, oh, I'm actually, she's actually my favorite player. And there's a good chance what separates her, I think, from those examples of like Coach and Philip. But I agree with you. She's in that same archetype. But it's like what separates her is like everyone was so annoyed by those players, Mm -hmm. like within the tribe themselves. Whereas Carolyn, especially come merge, has a really good shot in looking at the way that like she's managed to develop the relationship with Jam Jam or the fact that Carson chose her side over Sarah and Helen. Yeah. Look at me. (laughs) Um... The way that he made that choice speaks to Carolyn's ability to play this game well. So I think that Carolyn, another sort of, uh, oh wait, we talked about this, feather in her cap. Another feather in Carolyn's cap, in Felicia's cap, would be the fact that she has a better social game than I think a lot of the eccentric players of the past. Well, let's talk about this because, yeah, I think she's making some good moves, but my big question coming out of this episode is, is the move she made at Tribal Council a good one or a bad one? So she's basically got these options. They can do an easy vote out of Josh if they truly believe he doesn't have an idol, which I don't think that they did believe that. But certainly Jam Jam and Sarah were banking on it. Uh, But Carolyn finds out that he does have an idol. Like, was there any other move for her to make? Because this is also coupled with her frustration with Jam Jam sort of running the show and telling her what to do and telling her people think I'm a bigger threat than you, which I didn't quite understand because it was like, wait, so if we're going to say that Carolyn's the decoy vote and the reasoning is people think Jam Jam's a bigger threat than Carolyn, how does that make sense? Then shouldn't Jam Jam be the decoy vote? But either way, she's kind of got this landscape that she's got to work with of getting frustrated with her alliance having this new person as an easy target, but also being concerned about whether or not they're going to play their idol. Did she make the right move? I don't think she made the right move, but I also think that like, I don't, (laughs) I get like so conspiracy theorist, it worries me, but (laughs) I just don't believe that things were really like as fractured with her and Jam Jam as was presented on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, This goes back to what we're repeatedly saying, where there are just so few options at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that, sure, I could understand there being a conversation in which she feels like her one other ally in her tribe is being the more dominant player because it's either Carolyn or Jam Jam, right? Like the options are few. So you are either the per- the, you are either the dom or you are the sub. You are the top or you are the bottom. So in this instance, Carolyn feels like You're either the like dom she- or you're the Wendell. <laughs> okay, going with that. Uh, and actually, no, because that's complicated. Anyway, but so I, I, I can understand Carolyn's thought process here in like, but I also think that Carolyn is smart enough to know, hey, I don't love the dynamic that we have right now, but like it is what it is in this current setup. I think what would, if I were Carolyn, I would, you know, put this in the back of my head, come merge, because there's a world in which they go into the merge perceived as a duo. 
at which point it does become really important to understand how other people think of you within a duo, right? Yeah. Like that's something for Carolyn to be cognizant of. But again, going back to my point, I think if I were Carolyn, keeping Sarah around with the thought process that you will eventually link up with Carson, who for all intents and purposes, if you're Carolyn, you feel like you've got a strong bond with. He had a choice to knock you out at one point and chose you. He made a distinct choice in your favor. So you have at least enough, you have evidence to believe he will stay loyal with you. And Sarah, I feel like it was such a, again, because there are just five people at that point, if I don't think Sarah's gonna hold on to lots of resentments because it was basically like, it's either this or that and it it went her way, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Or went the opposite way. So, so I think if I were Carolyn, I would have taken out the person that I don't know. Now what's interesting, and I think this comes down to the fact that there are so few people in this game on each tribe that when someone new comes over, I think that, and these are all very eager players of the game, someone new comes over and it's exciting to like have a new scene partner, right? Someone to like talk mm -hmm. game with. And so I think there's an over eagerness with all these people to sort of like try and hash out a game plan with them despite the fact that there's some obviousness here, which is why they were all given idols, which is that like, hey, all of these tribes have a majority, get rid of the newbie. But I was surprised on the one hand that everyone was so ready to negotiate until I thought about it. And it's like, no, again, this is something we talked about, I believe in the premiere, the consciousness around television making, where it's like, this is an opportunity to have a new scene partner. And I think some people like Matthew were advantageous on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to think about Carolyn's move from a couple different angles because there were several things she could have done that she didn't do. And I feel like she might have picked one of the worst ways to go about it. I love the move. I love that she joined with the new guy. I think that's great TV in voting Sarah out, one of her OG tribe members. I think it's good TV. Is it good for her game in the long run? I think she made the wrong decision. And here's why. Because if she knows that Josh is going to vote for Sarah and Josh is likely going to play an idol, he's either going to play it for himself or he's going to play it for Carolyn based on the information he, the false information he got from Sarah and Jam Jam that Carolyn was going to be a target in the vote. Whether he plays it, if he plays it for himself, then Carolyn, Sarah, and Jam Jam vote for Josh. Those votes are negated. Josh's one vote for Sarah sends Sarah home. She goes home. And that way, uh, Carolyn can still say, hey, I was Tika loyal, but she was in on the plan. Right. Then she can tell Josh, hey, I just didn't want to like, you know, you're going to need inroads here. I'm your connection. She could work that out. Josh plays his idol for Carolyn. Josh goes home. Carolyn's safe. She's still Tika strong. She hasn't risked anything. Right. And she got an idol played for her, which is like a little point on her resume that this new guy came over. He had one chance to play his idol and he played it for me. That's pretty good. Um, but instead, what she does is she votes with Josh to take Sarah out. And while it's not the worst because Sarah wasn't in that core alliance of Carson, Jam Jam, and Carolyn, uh, she still did vote against. She broke from her OG Tika's to vote against Sarah. That, From her perspective, I guess I can sort of understand it because Josh is coming here being like, I'm great friends with everybody on Soka. And so maybe she thinks she's making inroads with Soka, but she's not, as we saw in the edit, because nobody wants Josh around. So there's like several different angles you can look at this from. I feel like she picked one of the less great options for her game in the long run. But I love the move as a TV move. Right, but worth noting, and as, as I think you just explained here, it's like there's only a handful or very actually small handful of ways this can go so like yes it was the most exciting move but when, when you have a tribe of four and one person has an idol it's sort of like there's not a lot of ways to really game this out so yes the most exciting possibility happened i think but i don't think it was as i don't think it was like remarkably rewarding from, yeah. a, from a television perspective I do I think that, like, saying. I yes. think the most exciting possibility would be that Carolyn had turned on Jam Jam and Josh and Carolyn voted Jam Jam out. I think that would have been a little bit bigger, just given the theatrics of the, the I think the real theatrics back at camp of 
Carolyn being annoyed with Jam Jam and wanting to differentiate herself. And, and I guess yeah. that's also maybe why she voted for Sarah. She felt like, I need to have a move because apparently Jam Jam's taking credit for all the moves here. Um, but like, I would have to- just hated that, though. Because I worry about, and this sort of goes back to, like, I worry, I, I don't know why. I, I Always in my head, though, I'm always thinking about... Um, Kim and Chelsea mm-hmm. and in uh, uh, one, world. Uh, one World and just like that loyalty to the end mentality that is so lost in present day Survivor. So not that I need Carolyn and Jam Jam to be in it to the very end, but like there's something to be said about linking up with someone and being like, we're gonna do this together. Is it the best strategic thing? Perhaps not, but I like you. I wanna play this game together. And I I want that for the two of them. I don't know if it's been established. Um, so I would have been, I just, to turn on someone that you really like as a human being, I think is a really bad way to play Survivor, unless you're at a point where like, you need to make a big move for like the, but like we're too early in the game to be making this kind but of But don't thing. you There's feel like she already kind of, kind of shot herself in the foot by voting for Sarah? Um, In a way, but I think there's a world in which she either tipped Jam Jam off about it in advance so he knew, which will either get in the next episode or just won't be told, or there's, I just think that she can smooth things over with Jam Jam in recognizing that like he's has no moves left. Mm, okay. He's in a tribe of three with someone he doesn't know and someone he does know. And as we talk about all the time, the devil you know. Um, and I also think there's a world in which like, she explains her stance very clearly and he has to accept that. The thing that she did achieve in voting Sarah out is that we have our first in Survivor history all queer tribe. Okay. Tika is now made up of Jam Jam, Carolyn, and Josh. Okay, I didn't know Josh was family. I mean, I assumed, but I didn't know. Oh, babe. <laughs> well, Visit his Instagram. Okay, but like, okay, I will check it out. But like, also like, <laughs> you would think Carson is family, but Carson's not family. Um, also, sorry, this is random, but I do want to hatch this out real quick. I think if Carson were gay, openly gay. <laughs> Please. Do I want to? Spit it out. I just think there would be a really, really different response to Carson in the fandom if Carson were gay. What in what way? I just think like it's so fun to have this like kind of hot but like non-threatening, like more well more cute than hot kind of guy who like is straight but like is clearly is, like doesn't have sex and like. There's just something about him that I think is like really like quaint and cute yeah. that I don't think would read the same if he were gay. You think it would read, sorry, so you're saying that's what he is now, but it would read different if he was gay. Yes. Like, that people would be like demon twink, Carson. Um, yes. Mm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. But I will say it's like, I would love a character that is like a gay Carson on the show. Like, I think that's what we're lacking because I feel like we get a lot of jam jams in this modern era. Ah, uh, wouldn't you say that, well, yeah, Carson is, Carson is just young. He's a lot younger, so there is an innocence to him where I think that, like, uh, a high would be sort of. So, but there's high on Survivor and there's high on Twitter. I know, but we're so not saying there's also Carson see- on Survivor and Carson on Twitter. Very true. Great point. So, well, also, there's the season 44 cast on Twitter and then the season 44 cast in the game, we should say. So, I mean, they really, I mean, this cast is plugged in. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I could say so much, but. I got to wanna... say on the Twitter thing, like, <laughs> I'm not meaning this as disrespect to anybody, any players. I don't think players are listening to this podcast, but if they are. I don't think so, no. Not to not to players and not even to just regular drop your buffs listeners who happen to be on Twitter. But I think just generally as a society, we need to recognize that hashtags are dead. We don't use hashtags anymore. Also, if you type the word in and then search it, like it'll it yeah. yeah there, but like if you if what you're going for is the virality, like trying to make your it's like you by just by typing survivor, you're good. It doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. And nobody clicks them. Nobody clicks them. And then the other thing that drives me nuts about hashtags is the sort of like 2012 approach of stringing together a phrase in a hashtag. Yes. Well, like okay, wait. There's a funny one... bit of the. T- 
Yeah, there's one good hashtag, and that is, so it was, I think it was RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 4, and Derek Berry uh, did a tweet being like, oh my God, who started this? Derek, hashtag Derek Berry for yeah. All-Stars 4. And you click on the hashtag, and Derek no was tweets. the only one that had posted it. That is a good instance of hashtagging. Yeah, because because there's like a there's something to it. Right. But like not, there's a landing page. It's not me not like me tweeting, um, oh my god, imagine Carson was gay, hashtag demon twink Carson. Like that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's we don't do that anymore. Uh, it, it's like if you want to be funny on Twitter, and I'm not saying that I'm funny on Twitter because I'm not, but no, if you want to be are. the funniest tweets are concise simply written and there are never hashtags picture of a character actress over the age of 70 caption mother done done hashtags are like the twitter equivalent of a not joke in 2023 yeah it's like adding not you know yes I will say, though, when working with the FTC, you do want to hashtag ad on your Instagram posts when they are paid. Yeah, because you will. Get uh, that is the one hashtag that uh, I can vouch for. Yeah, and sometimes you have to hashtag, like, uh, you know, Evan's, Evan's influencer. I was doing the red carpet last night for the Yellow Jacket season two premiere here in L.A., and, like, on my... Um, they put little, like, placards on the floor so that celebrities' handlers can know, can, like, know who you are and, and what outlet publication you're for. Anyway, I'm w- I was with Showtime, um, so it just said, Evan Ross Katz, and then in parentheses, influencer. And like, I just, I have a really strong reaction to that term. Um, I don't identify as such, and I don't, I just, it's not, it's not a term I like. And it was, um, it was a tough pill to swallow seeing it uh, on that paper. <laughs> Hashtag okay. <laughs> okay, th- uh, there's something else I want to talk about. Why didn't Sarah play her Idol. I mean, it was fake, so it didn't matter, but she believed it was real. Suddenly, Josh is immune, so it's one out of three chances that she's going home. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. And the other, that made me think of something else, which was earlier on, uh, Matt mentions the fact that Jamie probably has something, and then he says, quote, even if Jamie does have an idol, everyone is committed to staying Soka strong. And it's like, (laughs) what do you mean by that? Because if Jamie has an idol, you will be forced to not be Soka strong. So yes, again, like these, again, we have our own confusion as to who has an idol and is it real or was it found fake, but given by blah, blah, blah. And then on top of all that, you have the players themselves who like give this, like, I I couldn't believe they included that talking head because I was like, he's literally saying something that doesn't make sense. Why are you including it? Yeah. It's like sometimes I'll interview people for my job and they'll say a quote and I'll know what they mean, but what they said doesn't make sense as is currently happening with someone I just interviewed. And so I will go back to the person, I will show them the quote and then be like, hey, did you want to clean this up? And like, I know what you're going for here, right? Um, But this is that instance where it's like the producer should have been like, well, that wouldn't be possible. I think what you mean is that you're willing to run, you're going to stay strong and willing to see wherever the dice may fall by way, by way of which of the four of you would go home. Like, is that what you mean? Like, what did he mean? I don't know what he meant. Uh, like there's, there's a possibility that you trick her into not playing it or something. I mean, he doesn't know that it's a free merge only idol, but like, but yes, honestly, with Sarah, it's very hard to understand in that instance. How did she feel? I mean, the only thing you can imagine is that, Carolyn and Jam Jam made her feel there was some sort of conversation that took place that made her feel protected enough to not play it. But you would think that that conversation would be necessary to show, but perhaps in their mind, they wanted the possibility going into the, like they wanted an exciting tribal for the audience to not know like what was going to happen because Mm -hmm. if they would have shown that scene, then we would have known she was going home. But Mm -hmm. I think that would have been okay. Yeah. Can we talk about the performance at Tribal Council? The Jam Jam and Carolyn argument? Yeah, not... Was it real? Was it real for one of them? Not my favorite. Um, not my favorite. What about Survivor catching up to the decade-old meme by Felicia? Well, am I crazy to think that this has been spoken about on Survivor? Oh, no, you're not, actually. Because I have a memory of um, seeing a meme <laughs> of Survivor with some... Michaela, maybe? Worth 
us we'll we'll look into this but i don't think this is by felicia's first appearance on survivor i don't know i so yeah so much theatrics <laughs> has jeff pro because the term by felicia is actually straight culture that was yeah. overtaken by gay culture i believe the origin is the movie friday am i right here do you know yeah yeah you're right okay so it's not hard to believe that Jeff would be familiar with that phrase. Like it, it, it it's a very mainstream phrase. Like, uh-huh. um, it's almost like so mainstream that like queer people, like we don't use it anymore because, yeah. well, basically what I think is that it was like a straight term or it was in a straight film. Then it became canonically gay culture and then gay culture spouted back into straight culture, at which point gay people were like streets can have it. Yeah. It's like but, me with hashtags. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I just couldn't understand, like, Jeff trying to act like he never heard the term. And then also, like, uh, just not yeah. to get into, like, the specifics, but, like, the, the way in which they were using it did not apply to the situation. Because the whole idea is that, like, Jam Jam and Carolyn, even if one of them is turning on the other one, they are friends. And by yeah. Felicia is, like, not a saying that. It's not, like, by Felicia, my former friend Felicia, who I'm now turning on. But even, like, <laughs> even like, like talking this out right now is making my head explode. So it's, like, yeah, yeah. I just didn't like it. Uh, I did like Carolyn's face expression, facial expressions, and it's very, very brave of Jeff Probst to pull his face down like that. <laughs> but I will say that Jeff looked good, actually. Like, walking into tribal, I was like, Jeff looks natural. He looks good. Hmm. That was my take on it. And so, hey, on the Jeff Probst podcast, I don't know if you listened right through to the very end, but at the very end, he said on the next episode, they're going to be revisiting Survivor Borneo. And he's going to talk all oh. about the summer of 2000. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's exciting. I my, I, I am enjoying the podcast and I do like Jeff's like sort of more relaxed uh, cadence of speaking, but it's just the structure of it is a little confusing because they do like this like 10 minute mm-hmm. talk at the start where they're like talking about the episode and then they pick a theme, but it's like the mm-hmm. theme, it's hard to understand if this podcast is about Survivor 44 or if this is meant to be like, an overarching Survivor podcast that is just happens to be concurrently being run with 44. Like I don't think they Could have say, a handle on about it. Drop your buffs. You could, yeah, you could. You could and you should. But but I'm here for, like, I do think that there's, these are worthwhile conversations. And I think Jeff is a good podcast, like, person. It's a good, yeah, I love Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying and it. And I will say, to his credit, very clear speaker. Like, no ums, yes. no pauses. Like, knows what he wants to say. Gets in and gets out. And I will say what's funny, I've been trying to work on my speaking and one of the things is taking out the ums, and the other is just talking in more concise phrases and not rambling on. And so before we began this recording today, I was like, oh, this would be a great time for me to try it. I have, like, fell off the wagon 20 times. <laughs> it's just a really, it's a hard skill. So Jeff has it. I don't. Yeah. Well, he's been hosting a show for 23 years. So yeah. he's got a lot of practice. Uh, before we go, do we want to touch on the Nick Wilson of it all? Or has it all been said? I don't think, well, it's, it's funny. I was one that said to you, I want to bring this up before, but now I'm sort of like, I think, I think it's all out there at this point, which is to say yeah. that like, we should not, it should not come as a surprise, right? Like we live in a world, like we know that the J- Joe Anglums exist on the show Survivor. And also if this show is intended to show us all of society, like this is a, a huge part of society. I will say that I've been heartened by the Survivor alumni that have come forward to denounce this, particularly those who know Nick, because I think it's very different seeing new school players come out. Um, The show has become increasingly LGBTQ+, in its casting, whereas there was a time when our identities were very, very tokenized on this show, um, even up to like when Nick was on the show. So I think it's really nice seeing people coming forward, especially people like Ozzy, um, real real titans, coming forward and saying something and uh yeah it's it's sickening but it's not it's the bad sickening not like stragery sickening um and it's sad but it's not surprising i think uh, yeah that's all yeah and i appreciate that he's having to reckon with the survivor community because i think that he has enjoyed this position that he's been in for so long as the winner of a beloved modern season of survivor and you know, the representation of the Davids 
uh, who he has now very firmly crossed over to becoming a Goliath. And this particular move of voting for to, to pass this bill uh, is a very undavid move of him. And so, uh, you know, I like that he has to continue because he continues to use this position as survivor winner uh, in his personal life and in his public life. And so it is heartening to see the community speak out against him and sort of point out, um, you know, the hypocrisy of like what he holds himself up to be in the survivor community um, versus the way that he's living his life in real life. And so, yeah, we do have that. And hopefully we will be talking to Angelina in uh, the near future. We have been in talks. We just uh, need to schedule it. But, you know, Angelina sent some very nice messages. Angelina sent us a picture of her protesting Prop 8 in 2008. So maybe we'll be able to share that uh, if we interview her because uh, it's just an icon, honestly. And, uh, you know, allyship is uh, not just sending out a tweet, but it's going and protesting Prop 8 with a big sign like Angelina did in 2008. So we love Angelina and hope we can get uh, her takes on this, but also her time on Survivor and White Lotus as well. So there's a little teaser you can get for free. Okay, with that, Evan, what are people going to comment on the Instagram post this week? I know, I'm looking. What about uh, make up a hashtag about the episode? Mm, okay, let's do hashtag <laughs> I'm Felicia. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So, but you can't put an apostrophe in a hashtag because yeah, no. it breaks the I think the Eddie Drop Your Buffer would understand that that's... Okay, okay, okay. Okay, sounds good. Great. Love that. We're bringing back the hashtag and we're bringing back by Felicia or just Felicia in general. I'm Felicia. Okay, great. Love that. Well, stay tuned to Drop Your Buffs because we have the finale of Australian Survivor Heroes vs. Villains coming up this Sunday and Monday night. Ricard will be uh, joining me on Tuesday to recap that finale. We are working on lining up a couple of interviews with players from that season to be announced but we can announce that we will be interviewing an executive producer of australian survivor uh, about this season and about what goes into making the sausage so that's going to be pretty fun because i've never got to talk to somebody on the other side of the camera uh, about survivor so looking forward to that also the votes are in on the season that we will be re-watching next on patreon and I'm finding out in real time here. Oh my God, it's a fucking tie. <laughs> it's a tie. Uh, we have a tie between Survivor China and Survivor Panama, Exile Island. Evan, why don't you play the role of Laurel here and break the tie? We will be watching Survivor Panama. Amazing. I love that. But I hope we can rewatch Survivor China very soon as well. well so we will be watching Survivor Panama. I, I got my wish. It came true. I got my wish. And so how exciting. So we will be doing that over on Patreon. You can find our Patreon at the link in the show notes. Uh, you'll also be able to find links to our Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything coming up. Rate and review if you enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.